in some things. We're going to see some things. Uh, I'm going to show you a video in a moment. Uh, but Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promise. We began this series last week, and, and God is really showing us some things that the Christmas story is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God. Some of you today have been waiting on a promise God gave you. Unlike the Christmas story, an angel <laughs> didn't appear to you, but it's something that God placed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And in this series, I want to create an atmosphere of Christmas whereby that you're encouraged, that God is speaking to you and you hear his voice. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give you a sensitivity if you do not have that already. You have the ability because you're born again, but to give you a sensitivity to hear God's voice. God promised a savior, a redeemer of mankind, and the birth of Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of that promise. What that should do, Christmas, what it should do with all the busyness of life, Christmas is proof that the Father loves you and will fulfill what he promised you too. It's not just Mary's story. Christmas is your story. Christmas has set some things in line whereby you can understand that we serve a God that is a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to help us. Father, thank you for what you are doing in our body, Valley Community Church. Thank you for piercing through darkness. Thank you through touching lives and healing lives that we will see the truth that we can take these truths outside the four walls and touch those that are climbing in their closet, sitting in corners, not knowing what to do. Lord, let these truths transform us and encourage us that God will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, let's read this again. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. In the story of Christmas, we read the fulfillment of a long process of promised events to many people. 
God just did not promise one person a savior. He promised many. He showed many, the prophets, kings, normal people like you and I. He promised them, and Jesus' birth was a fulfillment of the promises that were given through thousands of years. Remember, a fulfilled promise that we learned last week is not the end either. It reminds us God is aware we need a redeemer. And with Jesus' birth and his obedience, God advances his next step toward you. Again, so many reach out for an event. Something's gotta happen in my life And when something changes, we think that's the end. It's not. It's just the beginning. Because Jesus was born, but what did he do after he was born? What did he accomplish after he was born for you and me? What did God give you and me through Jesus' birth? Even today, the celebration of Christmas, it's so amazing because it reminds you and me and it tells you and me that we have hope in Christ. A fulfilled promise, watch this, is an event that God marks. See, fulfilling a promise with God is not something hard. It's not something that he's just got to, oh, I got to work towards this. No, a fulfilled promise is a mark to tell you, saying, I will never let you down, even in your future either. If you will comprehend that God is a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God, and when you see these things, even in the minute things, the small things, the Bible says the little foxes spoil the vine. And the little things, when God uh, fulfills those little things, you must recognize that God is going to do something greater in your future. It is something that will say to you, it is a done deal. What God has placed in your heart is so amazing and it's something that he wants to do in and through you. I'll never let you down. You see, always perceive, God says, when I do act on your behalf, it is an event that says to you, there is more that I have for you that will affect your future. I can look back at the many instances where God has fulfilled his promise to me. And I can always expect in the future. And you know, there's some times that in my my life that I'm looking towards some things for the future and I don't see the answer. I don't see how it would happen. But because I go back to a fulfilled promise, a mark that he set in my life saying, I am here, I will not give up on you, and I will not fail you, then I can stand in the midst of the stress and the pressure of what, what the need is for my future. In the Christmas story, let's see three things Mary did and all of us must do to engage in the promise of events fulfilled in our future. In Mary's life, from her husband to many that were affected, can you just imagine how many people were affected by this story? The shepherds, kings, the people around, even the animals. 
we've talked about the first thing that Mary did. And first of all was that she accepted the promise. In verse 38 of Luke 1, she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be according to your word. But before that, she, she was confused. She began to talk about, well, how in the world can this be? Because this is not normal. See, accepting the promise is appropriating God's promise for yourself. Do not, and I'm, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again because this is so important. And there, some of these classes also help people in this area. Do not measure your feeling of unworthiness to the greatness of the promise. Because really the, the promise is the greatness of God. Many people look towards the, the event, the promise, what's going to happen, what they receive. But I want to tell you, it has to get to a place where when you accept the promise, you are not just accepting God will do this thing. You are accepting that it is God who's doing it. And because it's God doing it, then you must recognize what things you must do and again, accept it. Think about it. There was no major accomplishment accomplishment recorded by Mary before the angel appeared. What did Mary do? What was written by Mary about Mary before that? What did she do? There was no major accomplishment that she did, but the angel came to her. Think about this. A virgin birth was an unbelievable thing and unacceptable of the day. How could this take place? So in essence, what Mary received and accepted was something that no one would believe. Look at Luke 1, verse 34 through 37. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. By the way, there wasn't tweeting back then. They didn't have Facebook. I'm pregnant, you know. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Accepting this thing from God, this promise from God, you must understand with God nothing is impossible. We look at the normal. We look at, we try to figure it out. God promises in your life, uh, you know, there are things that are beyond your mental capacity to figure it out. There are things that you are believing for, things that you are standing in, things that you're trying to accept, but in your mental capacity, you can't figure it out. How can this be? I have messed it up. This is too hard. Look what's going on in my home. Look what's going on in my family. Look at all these things. How can this be? Everything that God promises you is beyond your mental capacity. It has to come into your spirit first. Accepting it by accepting what God promised you, which is what God said. You have to come to a place where you just believe what God said. Luke 1.38, Mary accepted it, was hers, and said, 
I have never heard, I'm paraphrasing, I have never heard this happen before. I, in my own mental capacity, I can't figure out how this can be done. And I know others will despise me. I know others will look at me and call me a liar. When I believe you, God, when I accept you, God, for what you're saying, people are going to call me a liar because they don't believe what I believe, what I accept. People say, how could a God allow those fires to take place? They know how to blame God, but they don't know how to accept God. The words, but behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, is literally saying, not my way, but your way, God. I trust you. I have no capacity to understand how it's going to happen. And I don't care how long you've served the Lord. I don't care how many times you've read through the Bible. I do. I hope you've served the Lord a long time, and I hope you read through the Bible every year. But it doesn't matter how much you know. You must accept that there are going to be things that God promises you, things that God will do, an event that he will accomplish in your life that is greater than your capacity to figure it out. So Mary said, I accept it. And we need to do the same thing. That's what the Christmas story tells us. Now the second thing we must do to engage in the promise to receive the nugget that you will have in the future, what will take place in your future, is you must believe in the promise. Well, Pastor, how, how does that take place? Well, let's talk about Joseph, Mary's husband. He will be the example of belief. Here's the picture. As Joseph became aware, the woman he was betrothed to was pregnant and he had no relations with her. She had the audacity to tell him, I'm pregnant by God. You know, sometimes we look at biblical figures and we think they just floated a foot above the ground. You know, nothing, ooh, they're like you and me. Matter of fact, you have the Holy Spirit in you. They didn't. So let me tell you this, and I think this will tweak your paradigm. For those who don't know what paradigm is, it's a typical pattern of something that usually is not how it goes. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 21 says this, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, <laughs> you know, it's so funny, but while he thought about these things, I'm engaged, betrothed to a woman. She just told me she's pregnant, and she gave me the excuse, God did it. But while he thought about these things, really, where would you be? But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So he got up and said, oh, praise God. <laughs> I can just imagine Joseph and his experience. 
First Mary comes and says, I love you, but I'm pregnant and his dad is God. Then he goes to bed stressed out and doesn't sleep well and has a dream and God tells him this dream for mankind. He wakes up and says, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot to swallow. Don't look at me that way. We need to personalize this. When you really want to move into an area of accepting and believing the promise of God, you need to personalize what is going on here, that Jesus Christ was born is a fulfilled promise that God had promised many through thousands of years. So when a work is being done, not only you must accept it, and a part of it is you're going to have to get to a place where you believe it. Mary told us the key of that, according to your word. The word produces faith. The word produces belief. And there, there's a little bit difference between faith and belief. You really have to believe what God is saying. Well, let me just share a little uh, with you regarding my calling. From the time that I can remember, my grandmother, you know the story, always told me I was called. You know, I didn't want to, first of all, because my, as a young boy, wanted to play sports. But in essence, at a very young age, I noticed every pastor that I knew was poor. How many of you grew up wanting to be poor? None of us do. And I saw every pastor that I knew was poor, that always suffered financially, always drove around in cars. Now, I drove around in some junk cars in my younger days, but the reality is they drove around in junk cars and they always had struggles. My sister, who was more spiritual than I at the time, went to Bible college. She went to Bible college and they went out to eat, and they ate some bad food. She got hepatitis, and it destroyed her liver. She had to have a liver transplant, and my sister passed away at age 53. So at that age, before I even went to Bible college, I, I, I saw poor pastors. I saw my, my sister want to go and be in the ministry, and she died. Or basically, at the time, got sick, and many times almost died. <laughs> But I always had a dream about laying hands on people and praying for them when they were sick and for them to be healed. I always prayed for miracles. And at times I saw miracles. People used to tell me I, I should be a doctor, I should be, you know, uh, these type of things. Because I always, for some reason, I was always around people who were, who were hurt. One time I, I ran over to the, the park the school that's close by my house to go play baseball, and all of a sudden we hear a big yell. Some kid was climbing a tree, fell out of the tree, and was impaled by a, by a big old stick. And so I told everyone, run. I'm, I'm about 10 years old, and I told them, run. This kid's about seven years old. Run and, and find somebody. Waited about three minutes, and I'm, I'm trying to stop the bleeding blood all over my hands and arms. And finally, I said, you know what? I just got to take care of this guy. So I began to, to run, and then 
my grandmother came to my mind. So I began to pray, and at that time was the first time. I had, at a young age, as a child, accepted the Lord. I wasn't, it wasn't really a lifestyle. I, my God was sports. But the reality is, that was the first time I can remember I was praying, and halfway through, I began to pray in tongues. I didn't even know what it was. I was scared. I, you know, I, so I'm carrying this kid. He was a skinny kid and um, took him to the hospital and he was fine and he grew up in our neighborhood and, and everything was fine. I can remember playing sports where someone goes down and you see that their ankle is turned and you know something's broken, something whatever. And I would just, just pray. I would just say things. And all of a sudden I'd hear like that. And the leg would swell and go to the doctors and the doctor would say, well, he didn't break it. It's just a bad sprain. But I knew that it was broken and I knew that God did a miracle. So those are the things that throughout the years, God fulfilling his promise. Even though I didn't accept, I didn't really believe in these areas, but because God knows greater, it's greater than you could ever conceive. God would, would tell me when I was older and in, in college, pay for someone's school, give away a car. And I would, I would, I would do these things, and, and God would absolutely show himself, and, and in my future, he would, he would bless me. Times my wife and I, we, we left here years ago and went to uh, uh, North Carolina, and for the first three months, we had this nice Jeep that we bought and everything, people were telling us, you know, well, we must pay you a lot of money to have a car like that. And I felt so guilty, I felt so bad that I, that I even sold the vehicle and we went down to a lesser vehicle. And I will tell you today, that was because the enemy was shaming me. I rejoice when you have something good. And when you give and when you do things, which I have done throughout my life, God will meet you in your future, and it's greater than the capacity of you even uh, being able to comprehend it. God would absolutely show me he is a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. That's why you cannot tell me. I have people that, that will tell me God doesn't always heal. I cannot believe that because of what God has shown me through his promises, that God always heals. I will never give up. People will walk up and they don't believe it. They literally have no capacity of believing it. But I know that what God did when I didn't have the capacity to believe it. So let's get back to Joseph. When this situation came, Joseph had to make a decision. He had to make the decision, will I believe that God's involved in this circumstance in my life? Now, I'm not saying God will bring evil. He doesn't, the Bible says. But will I believe that God's involved in this circumstance in my life? Will I believe that God, did he allow it? That's not the argument. You're in a circumstance and you need God's promise. Will I believe that God is involved in this? Will I believe that when I talk to him, that his care, his word will come to pass, he will do what he says? 
Will I believe that God has a plan and a purpose beyond what my mind can comprehend? That's a belief. Even though an angel came to him in a dream, Joseph still had to make a choice to believe. You have a dream, you have a promise, but you have to make a choice to accept it and believe it. Think of it this way. Maybe the promise was given to your spouse. (laughs) Because you're like me. I didn't want anything to do with the promise. I want to do what I want to do. I wanted to be that famous baseball player. I wanted to be something other than what God told me to do. So God showed the promise to someone else, my grandma. And she constantly told me to the point sometimes I got frustrated with her. This is a struggle in your believing. Is it really God? God, are you really saying this to me? Will it really happen? That's when you begin to measure yourself according to the greatness of God. Or I can't quite figure it out. Those are the three things that that we struggle in our belief. If you're going to see the promise of God fulfilled, which includes the nugget in your future, you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to, even though you begin to accept it, and once you accept it, all Hades breaks loose, and it looks like it's gotten worse, looks like it's not working. What you said, what you're praying for, the elder prayed for you and it got worse outside in the courtyard. You have to make a choice to believe it. Because the enemy will come at you. He'll want you to get offended with people. He'll want you to give up. He'll want you to lose hope. He'll want you to get to a place where you have no comprehension, no belief in this. That's why he comes and he attacks you. You're going to have to believe. The third thing is the issue of waiting for the promise. That's the struggle. We struggle with waiting, being patient. Let me say a few more things about the second thing, but, but with this, I want you to, waiting on the promise is the third thing. How do I act upon what God has revealed? I'm going through what I'm going through. I'm believing for greater than what he's already given me. I'm believing for greater in my family. I'm believing for greater in, in, in my business, in my job. How do I act upon what God now has promised me for the greater, the next step? What is God saying to me? Romans 4.20, Abraham was given a promise and his seed would, would populate the world as the sand of the seashore. Then Isaac comes along and God tells Abraham to kill Isaac. There are times between your believing And waiting, things will happen that looks like it's killed the promise. Christmas is a story that says continually, that's why Jesus came as a baby, to continue the greatest miracle a woman could ever have as a birth of a child. Abraham was caught in the promise given and then what God was saying to him. 
you have to believe, and then God may say something to you that sounds like the opposite. What you have to understand is you have to believe and get into obedience like Abraham did. Patience is not just waiting. Patience is obediently having obedience to move forward into what God has said to you. God has promised me things that I have not seen yet. And at times it looks like it's going the opposite direction. But I am going to be patient. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Let patience have her perfect work, the Bible says. This is what Romans 4, verse 20 and 21 says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How are you strengthened in faith? In faith By what God said. When you are being patient, when you are believing God, and, and, and you are in that process of believing and being patient, you must strengthen yourself continually with what God said. What do we have? The Word of God. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was able to perform. Going back to accept it. It's beyond my capability of seeing how it's going to happen, but I accept it. It's mine. With all my faults, with all my insecurities, with all my stuff, it's mine because of Him. He promised he's not a liar. Anybody getting anything out of this Christmas story? See, even if it meant God would raise Isaac from the dead, that's where Abraham's hope was. If God has given a promise that looks hopeless, God is able to create miraculous circumstances to produce the promise he has given you if you just believe. But remember, once you believe, you gotta be in the waiting process. See, the third action is waiting. Watch this terminology. And the moment I give you what this means, this word means, waiting, is you're gonna think of another scripture that says, don't be this. But I'm gonna explain it. Waiting means anxious anticipation. It's not talking about worry, but expectation. People are anxious, they worry. What if? And they think about all these different things. And that's what it is saying. When you are waiting, you have anxious anticipation. You are thinking of all the miraculous ways your God can do this thing. And it's not the pizza you're eating. You need to begin to see the very thing that it is God that is fulfilling it. And your anxious anticipation, your waiting, is about that you are serving a God that is greater. He's the one that created the universe. Every invention in this world has come from God. God is the one that has done that. God gave, you know, 83% of all great Inventions in the early 1900s came from believers who say they heard it from God. 
And we have to recognize this, is that God is a creator, and he can do what he needs to do to make sure the circumstances there to make sure that your promise will be fulfilled. But you have to be so anxious thinking about how great your God is, not how important it is for the thing to happen, but how great your God is that he can do whatever he needs to do. That's how you wait, how great he is. Look at Luke chapter two, verse 25 and 26. It speaks of of Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. He had anxious anticipation. Luke 2, 27, 28 says, So he came by the Spirit. Underline that. This is so important. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus... To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Blessed God and said. And then, of course, he began to speak about the prophetic of Jesus coming and the fulfillment. Sometimes in the working of the fulfillment of God's promises takes time. It takes waiting in anticipation of God's work. Simeon, verse 29, said this, Now you're letting your servant go in peace, according to, here it is again, your word. Notice Mary, according to your word. Notice Simeon, according to your word. It's a broken record, folks. It says the same thing all the time. That's how it works. Church, my personality, I have a personality that's difficult to wait. And there are times I have great joy in my waiting. There are times I am just like, ask my wife. Basically, I want it now. I'm going to show you a video in a second. Because it's Christmas, and I think we need to laugh a little bit. But many times, we destroy the very work of God for that future nugget by worry and by getting to a place that we actually change the course of our life by not waiting on God's greatness. There was a young lady who didn't know how to wait and she always wanted it now and her name is Veruca Salt. Hey daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bunker, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Gooses. Geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. By the way. What? I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. What are those? Cream buns and donuts and fruitcake with no nuts. So good you could go nuts. You're going to have all those things when you get home. No, now. I want a ball. 
I want a party Pink macaroons and a million balloons I'm performing baboons and give it to me Now I want the world I want the whole world I want to lock it all up in my pocket It's my bar of chocolates Give it to me now I want today I want tomorrow I want to wear them like braids in my hair And I don't want to share them I want a party with roomfuls of laughter Ten thousand tons of ice cream And if I don't get the things I am after I want the whole works Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises Of all shapes and sizes And now, don't care how I want it now Don't care how I want it now She was a bad egg Where's she gone? Where all the other bad eggs go? Down the garbage chute. Oh, the garbage chute. <laughs> where, where did it lead to? To the furnace. <laughs> the furnace! <laughs> She'd be sitting like a sausage. Well, not necessarily. She could be stuck just inside the tube. Inside the... Hold on! Veruca! Sweetheart! Daddy's coming! Don't be a bad egg. Sometimes you have to wait, wait on that nugget. We're always looking for the event. We're always looking for that event. But God says, I have greater plans. It's bigger than you could ever dream of, ever that you could ever ask. James 1.4 says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It takes a process when you ask for things. God immediately sets things in order to bring the promise to pass. But before the promise begins, we are screaming, I want it now. You look at Simeon, a man waiting for the promised Messiah. God said to him through the Holy Spirit, said, I want you to understand, you will not die until you see him. You know, throughout prophetic words and all the different things, you know what he was probably looking for? He was probably looking for this king that's going to come in and set the kingdom up. Hmm. But verse 27 was a powerful statement. So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. Notice this. Because Simeon was waiting because Simeon was patient. He didn't look at all what needed to happen and try to figure it out. He waited on the Lord. And verse 27 came by the Spirit. I don't think it was Simeon's time to be in the temple. Simeon served in the temple. I don't think it was his time to be there. It was probably his day off. He was probably Christmas shopping. No, I'm just kidding. 
He was out there doing errands and the Holy Spirit prompted him to stop by the temple. Some of us, watch this, and I'm gonna say this, hopefully none of us, but some of us may be even walking by what the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do. And we miss it because we're looking for the golden egg. Simeon stops by the temple, led of the Holy Spirit, and a divine encounter with Jesus, Joseph, and Mary took place because he was waiting. How do you wait? You wait because you accept it and you believe it. And you can wait because you know God is not a liar. God will do this thing. And you are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's what waiting is about. You're listening to the Holy Spirit for your next step because your nugget is there. Not your golden egg. Your nugget is there that God has for you. Your, your dream answered is there. But many times people walk by the very path God is desiring for them to be. And they're bouncing around like a pinball because they're not listening in patience. Why? Because they're worried. They're angry. They're frustrated. God, why aren't you doing this? I want it now. If you have been waiting a long time, don't give up. God's in process to fulfill your promise. Wait on God. Watch this. Anticipate his work. Look for his work. Look for what he's doing. Be sensitive to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. So let's close with this. The promises of God spring from a fountain of hope in your life. Maybe some of you have given up hope. Maybe some have become so cynical to the moving of God. I know people, praise God, not in the church, but I know people outside the church. If God stood in front of them, the burning bush, they'd walk to the left. They don't want to have anything to do with it because they're so mad at life that they tried that belief thing And because they tried that belief thing, they didn't see it happen now. They're looking for the golden egg. They're looking for everything that would make them look so wonderful. Then all of a sudden they get to a place in their life that they're cynical. You've been waiting a long time, some of you. Let me tell you this. God fulfills his promises. In Luke 2, verse 36 through 38, there's this amazing woman. Watch her story. You say, you've been waiting a long time, watch her story. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So she got married, husband for seven years, he died. 
And then for 84 years, she was a widow. The Bible says, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Day and night, she focused on the promise. 84 years, prophetically, she understood of the promise, and she waited. She walked in a lifestyle. She said, I will wait. I will do what you've asked me to do. And she never gave up hope. From Simeon to Anna, never gave up hope. Simeon was led because he wasn't uh, anxious and worried, because he wasn't angry at God, because he wasn't angry at everybody around them, angry at church, angry at the boss, whatever, that, that he stood in the gap and was able to hear, go on over to the temple. It wasn't his time. Go on over to the temple. And he had the privilege of holding Jesus, the promise, and thanking God for Jesus. Anna, for 84 years, served night and day, was focused on, his night and, on the promise night and day, and she waited for 84 years. As your pastor, the pain that I have as a pastor is watching people who are the most amazing people Give up hope. Periodically, you see people that just, they melt away. And I'm proclaiming the gospel. I'm proclaiming the word. We got the word in every aspect of our programs. And they're just wonderful people, and they lose hope. Losing hope, they become angry. They become bitter. They begin pointing their fingers we see in our world everyone removing God. You look at every country that has removed God and they're struggling. They're starving. Their people are starving because they do not accept, they do not believe that God is a God of grace and love and mercy, that he sent his only begotten son. He was born on this earth fulfilling all the promises of the, New of the Old Testament. And I want to share with you, church, you are my church family. I love you. I pray for you daily. When I'm sitting in my office in the morning before Sunday, I am just focused on God. Just give me a word that can help someone change their life, change their home, change their family, change everything about their life. And I'm going to ask that you would stand and, and, and pray with me. The busyness of the Christmas season. You come to church and you're exhausted. All the folks in the fine arts department, everybody from the sound, you name it, the dancers, you're, you're here and you're exhausted. And I just want to say to you that God 
is a God that fulfills his promises. Accept it. It's bigger than what you can think. Believe it. Stay with what he said. Not with what others say or not with what life says to you. Stay with what God said. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is everything. Christmas, look at the beauty of this sanctuary. What the ladies, most of the ladies and some of the men did in the decorating. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Look at your homes. Look at, ladies, what you do. You, you, you work so hard to prepare something wonderful. Men, some of us do the same thing. But the reality is, is we do things to make it real. Don't let the busyness of this season cause you to lose focus because maybe God's saying something to you. Just like with me. Hey, Gary. Gary. Wait a minute, God. I'm busy trying to figure this thing out. Hold on, hold on. And I get way past. God's a merciful God. Remember, recalculating. He'll bring you back. If that's you, if you've been so angry, you've been so upset, frustrated in life, frustrated with work, frustrated with church, and I'm not just talking about value, I'm just talking about just frustrated with the life. Accept the promise. Believe the promise. And wait on your big God to do what he says. Can you just put your hands out like this, please? Father, I thank you for my family. You have blessed me to be a part of this family. God, I would, I would come here if someone else pastored because of the heart of the men and women in this place. Lord, I pray now that if some here have lost hope, they've given up on their dream, they've given up on, on the little things in Jesus' name, overwhelm them with who you are today. Lord, I'm not asking for them to see a burning bush, <laughs> but if that's what's needed, create the circumstance where they see that your presence is there. Lord, some of them are facing such heartache at home, loneliness, despair, in Jesus' name. Prove yourself to my brothers and sisters. We proclaim that in Jesus' name. I proclaim healing, physical healing, emotional healing. If there's someone here that has denied Christ today, let him accept you. Let Jesus Christ be Lord and Savior of their life. I come against false doctrine. I come against false accusations that have caused despair in my brothers and sisters. 
And I say in Jesus' name, Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.